Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM to get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, in the studio with JB. We are flying solo, just the boys this week. JB, what's going on, my man? Man, J-Mac, it's the original crew back in here, and as we wrap up the MLB season last week, uh, we start a new season with college basketball turning on, on its head, and man, love seeing Kentucky back. That's the college basketball team I cheer for, loved me some Calipari, so... Fun win last night for those guys. Big for the, I mean, it's tough to say November is a big win, but when you beat the number one team in the country, that uh, that's going to carry you maybe when it comes to uh, March Madness. So yeah, definitely. I, I hate that I'm not into college basketball as much as you are. I'm definitely usually all in during the tournament, but I just I can't bring myself to watch it during the year. I just can't do it. And see, yeah, I'm the complete opposite. I mean, you can't pay me. The, the only regular season basketball game I've watched so far is the fourth quarter in overtime of the Lakers Mavericks. And that's because I think you text me and I was like, begrudgingly, well, there's nothing else on right now. I might as well. I mean, there, there was, to be fair, there was literally no other options besides shuffleboard and aquatics. So, yeah, I mean, a little field hockey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's where we were left with on that. But. I'm with you. I'm just the opposite, which I guess works out well, because by the time we get to the tournament, you're able to tell me what's going on. And, you know, I like watching like the big like Duke, North Carolina games and stuff like that. But I don't know, man, I I think the older I've gotten, the more and this is going to be all get off my lawn and shit. But the older I've gotten, the less I can be like passionate towards like an 18 year old kid and be mad. And I need to be be able to be mad at my guys. I got to. I I guess. And maybe maybe it'll change when they start getting paid. I hope so. Which we're I mean, that's a thing now. Yeah, so, well, I mean, maybe once you know that they're being compensated, then you feel like you can yell and be mad at them. I don't know, but I, I love it. I think the rivalries in college basketball are much greater than what we see in other sports. You know, conferences, they get them twice a year typically, and to your point, like Duke, UNC. I mean, that that that's so rowdy. I mean, those yeah. tickets go – even on a bad year, those tickets are a couple grand to get into the building. I know, because people camp out for like three days to wait for those tickets. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. How does that work? I wonder that all the time on how the camping out works, because where do you go to the bathroom? Are you having Uber Eats delivered to you? Or, I mean, how do you keep a phone charge? It's the same question I have for people who sit in the mosh pit at concerts. Do you not leave the whole time? How yeah. does that work? Where do I you don't pee? know. Yeah, where do you pee? That's the ultimate question. And I think you, it's easier now because at least you do have Uber Eats. At least you have, I mean, I know they set up porta potties and all that. Like, it's like a crowd control type situation uh, for like camping out for those games in Durham and stuff like that. But uh, I know that, I mean, at least it's easier now than it ever used to be. But even so, like, where do you pee? before that all happened i mean where do you get some food all that stuff those are all very good questions very valid questions and uh, what about going to class you're going to duke university or north carolina for god's sakes 
we're just skipping that. I think the longest I've waited for anything uh, sports-wise was a Twins Fest, which probably every MLB team has, mm. you know, during the offseason, all the players come to town, they're signing autographs and whatnot, and uh, it was when the, the height of Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau Hell back yeah. in those times, and they were both opening up um, a Friday session, like at 3 p.m. They are the first signing, so, you know, there couldn't be anyone waiting Basically, we're waiting outside in a blizzard in Minnesota. You get through the doors of the old Metrodome, and you just see everyone sprinting to the yeah. side to get. We were the last people to get through. I'm not kidding. I think they looked at these three kids who were been chilled in the snow. They're like, all right, let them through. But uh, I, outside of that, I, I, I tip the hat. I don't think I could wait over maybe eight hours for about anything. I think that what this comes down to and what this tells the listeners as we head towards like the Thanksgiving holidays and all that stuff is we're not really black Friday people. We're not going out at two o'clock in the morning and busting down the doors at target. We're just not doing it. First of all, black Friday now starts at Thursday at two. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, I used to be fine with the midnight deal. Hey, I got to watch all the football and get a little nap in and yeah, if I need a TV, we'll go out. But sure. I mean, yeah, everything's online now. Don't don't be that guy. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any reason with, with the way that's shaped up. Uh, but we'll we'll maybe get into a preview of that later. Yeah, as we get closer to Thanksgiving, we're gonna do some. Uh, I know we're gonna do some sensibly loud roundtables as we get closer to Christmas and Thanksgiving, ranking holidays, ranking Christmas movies, and you know all the like. So I, I know you'll jump in on some of those. So it'll be good times. It'll be good stuff. Man, Christmas movie. Where where are you at on Die Hard? Is that a Christmas movie? Oh yeah, I think it's a Christmas movie. Absolutely. Number yeah. one Christmas movie. That's the only okay. time I wa- of the year I watch it, that's for sure. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. it's just in plan. Okay, I'm just glad we didn't have to have that debate. Otherwise, no. we wouldn't have talked about anything the rest of the show. But Good point. Yeah, an hour would be gone just like that. Just like that. Well, J-Mac, we saw a big name get fired. Willie Taggart, former Oregon and now former Seminoles head coach, uh, getting paid about another 16 to $17 million not to work. Sounds like a great gig to me. But were you shocked? I mean, a year and a half with him uh, at you know, the starting quarterback, starting running back, not guys he recruited. It's just hard for me to imagine when he came into FSU, he told him, hey, by year two, we're going to be, Humming. you know, ranked yeah. again. I, I mean, is this shocking to you? What's your thoughts? A little bit because of the reason you just brought up there. It's a little bit of an early type situation with him. I, he's an interesting study, though, because, I mean, he was one year at Oregon before they hired him. Jimbo left. Sure. And then, you know, brought him in and expected him to be Jimbo Fisher and resurrect that program. And I just, I'm not sure. What this screams to me is that he didn't deal well with the administration, with the AD or something like that. And yeah. as things got tougher and tougher and the pressure ratchets up, uh, you know, it might be easier to pay this guy, you know, money to go away. But think about the fact that they're paying this guy $17 million to go away. That's how badly they thought of Willie Taggart. And like, I don't, I don't even know if we've really had time to see how good or bad of a coach he really even is that's what i'm saying i mean to your point shortston and oregon came to florida state with all the pressure in the world without his guys uh i'm just not sure if he's maybe more in that charlie strong type of coach yeah. where you know good at mid-majors kind of maybe off the radar uh you know power five schools but you know you put him in the spotlight of a big school like this just like charlie strong had with ut it just doesn't translate the same way that rah rah type of uh, atmosphere but yeah i mean you do some reading seems like he was he kind of did what all of us probably do when things don't go well you try to do everything yep. <laughs> you know he's he's trying to okay well I'll, I'll take this over i'll call plays on both sides i'll be more involved where end up just uh and to your point i think the boosters there and him uh 
maybe had different ideas of where their money was going and being spent. So, so uh, who, we'll see, who do you yeah, think we'll they see. go to now that that's done? I one thing I saw, and because I, I want, I know you've got a short list here, but the one sure. thing that I think has surprised me the most, I've seen a bunch of Vegas odds on who's going to be the coach, and they've got Jimbo at plus sixteen hundred. He he's getting paid seventy five million dollars by A uh, and M. He's not going anywhere. Jimbo, yeah. I've seen Vegas odds out there on to come back. I've seen Vegas odds out there plus sixteen hundred on that. That's crazy. Wow, that's um, yeah, that's 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 not crazy happening. They um, they ran him out of town. Well, I mean, he ran himself out. Oh well, yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, the Bob Stoops report came out. I don't think we're anywhere necessarily near that. Um, I think one name just to keep an eye on, not necessarily that'd be a great fit, but you know, Lane Kiffin is at FAU well entrenched in what Florida's doing has you know power five experience uh also the, the real connection there is Art Bryles was his offensive coordinator at FAU before going to Florida State so I think there's some familiarity there between those two guys uh, obviously working together in the past uh of bringing that together but I think just the name to watch is the one I just mentioned is Art Bryles their offensive coordinator one of the more mm. brighter guys him and Graham Harrell at USC kind of those next in line head coaches um not Art Bryles. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kendall. His son. Kendall. Kendall. I yeah. apologize. Kendall. So okay. Yeah, that's that's definitely more doable. I was about to say it. I mean, regardless of how you feel, about well, you and I have had the Art Bryles conversation debated many times. But regardless, sure. I think he's blackballed no matter what happened. So I was like, oh, whoa. Yeah, but but his son's different story. <laughs> For sure. Thirty some kid. Great. You know, like good I offensive line. Was an FAU. Uh, I, I think Lane to name that will obviously be thrown out. But I, I, I think we just have to see what materializes. Obviously, you know, Minnesota handed P.J. Fleck an extension today. I, I don't think that would be a fit either, quite frankly, but hey, good for him for getting his money. But, yeah, yeah we him. just need to – yeah, we need to see what materializes. Uh, if, if they want to, um, certainly Urban Meyer is a guy that they could, <laughs> you know, pony up for. But I, I think Urban just sitting there letting his price tag go up and up and up. Yeah, I just I can't help but think, and we've talked about this a bunch. I mean, Urban Myers seems destined for USC. I I think like I know Florida State's a big school and everything, but I don't even know if that's big enough of a school for someone like him. I really don't. He's proven yeah. he can recruit and recruit, you know, uh, shady like in in Florida before though, so that's helpful. Yeah, it's true. So I don't know. I don't think it's as much of a destination as folks think. It's a pretty banged up roster. Yeah, uh, it's not an overnight fix and. You're going against Clemson in the ACC, which I, I it's mean, tough. it's kind of that Bama factor right now where it's not that attractive. So we've talked about that before. But, I mean, speaking of Bama, we did have the college football committee come out with their their rankings last night. I think kind of the biggest surprise to everyone was Clemson at number five being left out. Um, was there was that the biggest surprise to you, or was there something else that jumped off the board? So run down the rankings real quick for the for the good people before we. Yep. So we're going to start at number one with Ohio State, uh, followed by number two LSU, number three Alabama, number four the Nittany Lions, and then the last two in are Clemson and Georgia, mm-hmm. followed by two Pac-10 teams with Oregon and Utah, both one loss, and then I'll, I'll throw in. OU here at number nine because I, I think everyone else has two plus losses and that just yeah. I mean I, I guess I'm sorry you can include Minnesota there at no losses but we'll that, that yeah um so I, I guess just looking at that 
what's your initial thoughts on how they ranked it? Because I think Clemson's a big name to leave out. They're the favorite to win the national championship in Vegas, but right now they're yeah. not into the playoffs. So I mean, you know me. I've been on this all year long is that I don't know that I haven't known if Clemson's quite as good as as everyone thinks they are. They have a pretty soft schedule. Not that they can control that or anything like that, but I, I I've been questioning them. I, however, don't agree with leaving them out of the top four here. And more so than that, I don't agree with OSU being at the top and over LSU of all schools. I think Joe Burrow is doing incredible things. I love this LSU team. I This weekend is going to be a huge test for them. We're going to get into that here in a few minutes. But it seems I, I, I really can't decide if they got it right, but I know that OSU doesn't feel like it should be there. Yeah, I would say the top four, I, I think, was smart for two reasons. They're going to beat up on each other. No matter, you know, the, the all four of these teams play each other, Bam LSU this week and Ohio State, Penn State later on. So they're going to move each other out of the way for Clemson. So I like that. Reward reward the performance that we've seen out of these four teams. Clearly had better game performances and schedule overall. Um, I would have put LSU and Bama at one and two just from the fact of whoever wins this weekend will probably be put to number one. So then Ohio State's going to have, you know, we're going to have all this narrative well, what the heck? Ohio State got moved down. They, you know, they won their game. You know, how can you move them down after being number one after that? So, I would have put Bama and LSU one just so you didn't have to move, have this whole hoopla. But overall, I think it's pretty smart. Yeah, I think you've given Oregon, Utah, and OU their path. Hey, you got to win out convincingly. Uh, you have to be more impressive than Georgia and the couple other teams in front of us. But. I would imagine OU plays pretty ticked off this weekend after being put nine behind Utah Dude. and Oregon. Uh, well, they kind of deserve it, though, based on all those losses, dude. Uh, yeah, that was pretty tough to Kansas State. But uh, I would imagine if you put Oregon and OU on a neutral field, um, I guess OU'd be about a four-and-a-half-point favorite there. But I said losses as plural. I meant loss, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. But yeah, Georgia at six actually is a little bit surprising to me because I, I haven't been. We, we've talked about it. I, I'd actually say I've been more impressed with an Oregon team that uh, lost to Auburn on a lucky throw. So that that one's been a little interesting to me. So that that's one to monitor. Uh, but I think they control their destiny there in the Pac-10. So I know our buddy Kyle Beats wants Utah in just to be right about this, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't either, but um, <laughs> hey, we'll we'll let him. Good thing he's not here this week. We'll let him ride that glory. Yeah, exactly. Well, Jay Mack, let's get into two of the college football games that are probably going to headline the weekend. Starting off with Penn State, a six and a half point favorite on the road up to Minneapolis, uh, forty eight and a half over under here. Jay Mack, two both teams are undefeated as we just mentioned. Penn State, number four team in the land according to the committee. Um, is this kind of a tricky test to you here? The line's a little suspicious. I thought it would have been a little bit bigger uh, yeah. from what we've seen out of Penn State, and you've been a huge backer of Penn State and what they've been doing. Definitely. I like Penn State a lot. I like James Franklin a lot. I, I, it's just he seems to always get the most out of his guys, and I, I like that about him. And, you know, I think Penn State's kind of had that cloud still hanging over them for a long time. And, I mean, anytime Bill O'Brien gets around your locker room, I mean – <laughs> is that it Man. no uh no I'm, I'm just kidding i, I hate bill o'brien though and i just i i get why they went that direction but it was definitely a clean break to go towards james franklin after that and i think he's done well there and I, i'd be surprised if he wasn't a name that you know if you if we have some shocking firings this year 
you know, uh, something maybe a little unexpected, like, or someone steps down, something like that. I wouldn't be surprised to get him pulled away from there, to be honest with you. I think he's at least shown, proven himself to be a pretty consistent coach. I think he did pretty good things at Vanderbilt. I don't know. On the other side of this, I don't, I'm not really sure how I feel about, I mean, you can maybe speak more to the, the other side of this. I mean, 48 and a half over under seems like a lot of, or uh, kind of a low amount of points. I'd probably take the over on that. And Penn State being six and a half point favorites, I'd probably take them to cover that pretty, pretty handedly. Yeah, I guess at first look, I thought, wow, Penn State's good around him. You know, growing up watching a lot of go for football, you just, there's never a spot where you're saying, hey, Minnesota's going to pull the upset. But I'm comfortable. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the first time, you know, two undefeated teams faced at, at TCF Bank Stadium ranked in the top 15. So great for these two schools. I guess it's just going to be, I think, to your point, the over-under is intriguing because both offenses is, have only faced one top 50 offense this season to date. Uh, Minnesota, when they faced Nebraska, who had a backup quarterback, and then Penn State, who faced Michigan a couple weeks ago, and Michigan was able to move the ball and safe uh, relatively well considering on the road and what we've seen from them. Um, so I think it comes down to two sides for Minnesota, obviously on the defensive side how they handle K.J. Hamler. I mean, he's absolutely a beast for Penn State, a matchup nightmare, and teams consider or keep running linebackers at him. But I think Minnesota with Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, former Vikings great corner, playing one of the best in college football, he certainly has the ability, if they want to kind of shadow him, to really uh, put a tough day on for Penn State. And on the flip side, the Gophers have one of the most underrated running backs, I think, in Rodney Smith. He's had a very impressive year. Uh, for the Gophers, and that's kind of been predicated by Tanner Morgan at the quarterback position with Bateman and Johnson on the outside. It's really prevented teams from being able to stack the line, which we've seen in the past. So I think with uh, Shelton missing at the defensive line for Penn State this week, that could really allow Rodney, if he has six or seven-man boxes, to burst it open. So, you know, it is an earlier kick for college football when you see these type of rankings. Uh, typically gets flexed out. Minnesota denied that flex out to mm -hmm. primetime. I'm not really sure why when PJ flex going on, he said this is the biggest game in the program's history. Um, mm, interesting. I don't know. Mm. I, I don't there. know about that. So maybe in his tenure, maybe it was an out of context quote, but um, I think if Minnesota can get off to a quick start, and my only thought process to them not flexing it out was exactly that. I think PJ was thinking, we have the earlier start. We're at home. We're going to be more in our routine than they can. And they know they've seen it. Penn State, every single week, gets out ahead versus these teams, 21, 24, nothing. And I'm texting you and Kyle going, and they're just able to lean on you when they get that. Right. No, for sure. And I mean, to Kyle beats his, you know, drum that he always beats here. I mean, we know about time changes. And well, even if it's, you know, we just dealt with daylight savings time, some of us. And, you know, at the end of the day, it can make a difference here. But I, I like that logic. I think that's the only thing that really makes sense is just, you know, do what you do best. Take advantage of the home field as much as you possibly can, even though it's not. I mean, it's, it's obviously not a sellout yet, though. I'm not surprised by that. It's it's the weather is interesting up there, too. There's a lot going on in that in that space, too. This is a big game, though. Is game day going to be there? Do you know? I, I don't believe so. Oh, no. it's got to be Bama LSU. What yeah, am I talking it's about? Bama yeah. LSU. So, um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'm really intrigued. I At first, initial reaction was like Penn State easy. I don't need to look at this. If you look at the underlying numbers, as I mentioned, with Rodney Smith, with banged up defensive line for Penn State, I, I mean, yeah, 
I really see an opportunity where Minnesota, if they can handle KJ Hamler early on, they put Winfield on him and shadow him. I'm really looking at it going, this line may actually have a lot of value for Minnesota to grab that seven, especially at 40 and eight and a half. Cause that is, I mean, you're talking about two score game then in a low over under. Definitely. It is, uh, I mean, so I mean, do you think that is the juice better to lay the the points with Minnesota here? Do you think? I mean, it's got to be. Well, to take the seven, yeah. I mean, you can buy up to seven pretty cheaply. Well, yeah, of course. And I think I don't. I don't know where the public's going to come in here. I think the public will certainly reside with Penn State being a favorite, being a household name. There's probably not a lot of public betters out there running to back the Gophers. So it's fair. Um, you may want to wait till game day to get it pushed out to seven. But, I, I mean, I, I would honestly possibly look just first half as well because, yeah. as we mentioned, I think the Gophers have to get out to a quick start. They'll have everything behind them. And Penn State has shown that ability where if they get out ahead, they can really snowball on you. So it may be a situation look first half and then if you win, cash it, relax, and not worry about Tanner <laughs> Morgan throwing two picks in the second half on you. But, <laughs> it's my favorite. Uh, that's it. Well, J-Mac, we have, a, as you mentioned, Bam LSU this weekend. Uh, both teams we've talked about at nauseum on this podcast. But Joe Burrow hits the highway, and LSU's been doing quite a bit of chirping ever since uh, even about two weeks ago heading into their bye week, talking about how they're going to beat Alabama. I'm not sure. That's, I don't think you ever need to give Alabama any more motivation than they need, especially versus a team you haven't beat for 10-plus years. But um, – we're looking at five and a half now opened up at seven over under, I think is around 63 um, highest we've seen in quite some time, obviously for these two teams, where are you looking right now? Two is healthy Two is playing. Two is going to play. I don't know about healthy. I shouldn't have said that Two is playing. Okay. I, I, I real like my gut feeling is to lean towards LSU here a little bit, but that's betting against Alabama and that's very similar to, to betting against the Patriots. It's sometimes every now and then it works out, but usually it's not very wise. And that's kind of what this feels like. It feels like one of those spots. I, I really, it's really hard to know what we're going to get from Tua, but I do. I just, my gut tells me though, that if Belichick, Belichick, excuse me, uh, Saban sees, (laughs) you know, any kind of weakness there, I don't think that he's going to necessarily risk it. I mean, this is going to require LSU to get out to a, a good start early. This is going to be a defensive game. I'm kind of shocked, honestly, at the over-under being 63 and a half. I know you've got a couple of young slingers out there and, you know, a couple of systems and stuff, but, like, these are always, like, I mean, hell, you remember the national championship several years back, obviously both different teams, where it was right. a 10 to 9 game, like, you know, 19 points total, not great. I, I would take under in this game, certainly. I think that's a given. Yeah, I think it's an er- interesting way to look because it's certainly simple to look at what we've seen both offenses do and gravitate towards that over. My only concern with betting the under is we don't really know what Alabama is at this point. They haven't fa- they've only faced one top 50 passing team. That was Mississippi who threw up 31 on them. So, yeah. If Miss if Ole Miss is throwing up thirty one on you, I'm kind of concerned on what Joe Burrow uh, can do. It and again, these teams are coming off bye weeks, you have plenty of time to prepare. There shouldn't be any shortage of you're throwing everything out there. Because if you look, I'm going to pull it up real quick. LSU's schedule from here is not hard. 
It, it no, is it's a pretty very, cake. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at they they follow it up with a game um, at Mississippi, at home versus Arkansas, and then at home versus AM. Yeah. That's probably going to be double digit favorites in all three of those games. So, Easily. yeah, you're you're looking even here if they lose, which I don't think they they will. If they lose, they're going to be 11 and one at worst. I don't think the committee can keep them out. So LSU is going to this mindset going, hey, we got to upset them. We got to put the you know foot on the throat. Um, and I think it's going to be Joe Burrow. I, I mean, Alabama does have two starting NFL uh, corners, which does concern me from what we've seen. And that's the part where I think they can slow down LSU, but I just worry about what we've seen out of the Bama defense and not truly knowing how good or bad they are to this point. So the total, I think to your point, if you want to look, the under does have value because I, with the bye week, with the time to prep, you have to imagine saving, scheming something up. He's never been beaten by an LSU offense before. No. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen this week. Um, but that doesn't mean LSU can't win or cover either on this large number. So very true, um, and I think yeah, I think that's what this comes down to is game planning and and how are you going to find that edge? And it, we talk about that all the time. How are you going to find that edge? But it's really rare that we get to this point of year and we really still don't know exactly what Alabama is. I mean, at face value, still, I mean, eighty five percent of Alabama is better than most teams out there. But at face right. value, it's really hard to understand. How there? I mean, LSU's got a lot of weapons, and they have they've. This is the first time that I can remember in quite some time that they've had an offense to speak of at all. And you know, I don't know that their defense is even quite as good as their offense kind of situation. You know, and so this is this one's probably going to flip people on their heads a little bit. I like I said, I'd still probably take the under, but I love LSU as a dog here. I, I'm not. I don't know that they're going to win, but I think they're probably going to keep it pretty close. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I certainly think LSU versus the Bama offense or defense gives me some hope. Um, whichever route they choose to go, Joe Moorhead, we've talked about at nauseum on the show, terrific offensive coordinator. And I just, I just don't think Bama's parts are as good as what we've seen in the past, especially at the linebacker position. And that's really where they've shut down teams in the past because whether you're running or passing, you have these long athletic freaks that just take away over the middle the easy dump off and seam passes. And they don't have those guys this year. I mean, Mac Wilson's with uh, Cleveland Browns, a terrific lengthy guy who absolutely prevented the seam constantly last year and forced you to throw outside. So Joe Burrow definitely can throw outside. He's got no problem there. I, I, it, it's just tough to break this down because I'm curious on which way each team goes. Mm-hmm. Because obviously with Tua, you have such an elite passing tack. Jerry Judy on the outside, you have two top 10 picks there. They can go that way. Their, their run game hasn't been elite this year, but it's been an area that you can attack LSU in. So does Bamble, you know, is that where Saban wants to go? And then just the same thing on the flip side with, with LSU. I, I mean, I think they can have success either way they go, but it's just tough. It's tough to really break it down without having a grab. So one you certainly want to watch, but I'm with you. I'm taking the points with LSU. I grabbed plus seven over the weekend. Um, it, it's dripped down to five and a half. I would wait it out. I don't think it's going to go down past minus four at that point. It, it, there would just be too much value on Bama. I think it, by game day, we could see this get pushed back out to around seven with public sentiment coming in. Yeah, I agree with that. I, and I I think that's even more more value than where it's at right now. So I'm with you. This will be a fun game to watch this week, though. Yeah, 2.30 kick, by the way. So don't. Uh, I, I, we know game day is going to be there. That typically means a nighttime kick. But just mark your calendar. It's 2.30 
it's going to be an incredible game. I think it just, I think it has that potential. What we saw last year with Clemson and Bama in the college football playoff national championship flew the over flew over both offenses were humming that could happen here too. So mm-hmm. I, I can't wait. I, I can't wait. Yep. Agreed. Uh, well, well, J Mac to uh, talking about kids who will be playing on Sunday soon to a couple that shouldn't be uh, our favorite segment of would you lay it? And I switched out the Miami dolphins because they're they got to win. They, they're one. They're done. Now we're worried about Cincinnati, right? I mean, yep. that's how this works. Tanking for Tua. Tanking for Tua. Will Cincinnati owes Baltimore off their big win over the Patriots. Baltimore a 10 point favorite. Um, and Cincinnati has gone to Ryan Finley, the rookie out of NC State. Andy Dalton obviously displeased with his team. Why wouldn't you trade him earlier? If I was the Bears, I probably would have given up a third-round pick. But um, yeah. I, I guess it's a division game, fam, you know, familiar foes. But since he's banged up, J-Mac, a rookie starting, I, I guess all the narratives are there for Cincinnati. Baltimore's off a big win. You're at home. You got new blood. Maybe the team rallies around the new kid, and it's a division game. But are you buying into that? No, I don't. I I could see where I think Baltimore probably lays this easily because I, at the end of the day, like, uh, I, it's it's hard for me to to kind of wrap my head around it because obviously they handed the Patriots a loss this past week. I I told you guys at the very beginning of the year this is the only game on the schedule that I was even remotely worried about but for sure. the Patriots and so I think Baltimore did a great job hats off to Lamar Jackson for being able to step up in a really big spot find the spots that that dude is incredibly fast he impresses me every single time I watch him he really he he's got wheels and when he lights it up he lights up those burners like crazy I, I think that they cover this i can't believe they went away from andy dalton at this at this point you didn't trade him at the trade deadline they did a real asshole thing by not trading him before the deadline to his point where he could have had a chance to play i'm not a huge andy dalton believer so i mean i you know i don't really care either way but i get why that's a dick thing to do to him and i I mean especially when he's been your starting quarterback for quite some time now i mean it's been uh, what seven eight years now Oh, it's got to be even yeah. longer than that. I mean, he's got to be uh, – I'm going to pull it up here. But, I mean, he survived, I feel like, a couple waves of them trying to bring – he's 32, 32. so okay. probably going on 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, he really – they should have traded him for sure. They should have at least respected him enough but to you know, to ask to, to see if he wanted to go elsewhere and, you know, and show him a little bit of respect that way. And I, I think that's crappy. But, I mean, this is also a team that held on to Marvin Lewis for 17 seasons too long. So, I mean, I, however you want to look at that, you know. I, I don't know. I don't trust them in any kind of rebuild situation. I think that Baltimore is a much better team than they are. And that's what this comes down to. I think Harbaugh is a better coach. And I think I, I just I, there's a lot that, to like here as far as Cincy being the underdog. I get that. But I don't think. Ryan Finley is really going to be your answer. Yeah, especially without AJ Green, Joe Mixon continues to be banged up, and Sanu's gone and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sanu is on Atlanta. Oh, that's um, right. I forgot he he <laughs> played there forever, though. Yeah. Um, and, and so yeah, I I don't know. I, it's kind of a stay away. But yeah, if you're playing that game, I don't know how you can take Cincy. I think Baltimore. I I don't throw it one time. I turn around and hand it off to. I just run the ball every play and see what happens. Yep. Like, give it to Mark Ingram. Yeah, let's have a 15-minute drive just like they did to the Patriots to get out of here, and uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, glad we're in green. Well, the two teams, I guess uh, one disappointing, one surprising Thursday night football. The Chargers 
a one and a half point favorite on the highway, I guess you could say, uh, versus the Raiders. Over under 48 and a half. Finally, we get a Thursday night game that actually has some intrigue and probably some fantasy value for a lot of players. Um, J-Mac, the Chargers look like they're possibly rolling again. Uh, you know, they had a big win versus the Packers last weekend. Um, and then coming off the win versus the Bears. So they could be rolling here. You know, they're on the heels of Kansas City right in the wild card hunt. But so is the Raiders. Who I guess who's been more surprising the disappointment of how the Chargers started or how the Raiders are somehow 500? I mean, I've talked about the the situation that we're seeing with the Raiders and the Chargers, and the Chargers are just a mess. And they've got, me and Kyle Beats were talking about this today, they've got some great pieces. They had, don't have a clue what to do with those pieces, and that's the biggest problem. And I, I feel like I, I've never really been a big Phil Rivers guy. I'm still not. But I almost feel bad for the guy. I mean, he's had like four head coaches in his time and like seven offensive coordinators. Like they never really seem to be able to get it together in that sense. I love Keenan Allen, but I mean, you know, you know how that goes. I don't really believe in that team any way, shape or form. And I certainly don't believe in Anthony Lynn. The other side of this is I think the Raiders have been one of the most surprising teams in football at four and four. I mean, they gave the Lions a ration of shit last week. They they ended up winning that game and it, it wasn't a pretty win, but it was smash mouth football. And I think that the two biggest questions that we saw, I mean, we watched them on hard knocks. We saw this. You watch Gruden be in here this year, and he said, you know, he made a, a bunch of comments that kind of felt like uh, maybe this is old man football, that maybe he doesn't quite get it. And we also wondered about Mike Mayock being able to actually pick talent. You know, I mean, it's one thing to <laughs> to have a, a show on ESPN and be able to pick them or on the NFL Network or whatever. It's another to be a GM of the actual team and make those things happen. So I think both of them have been really good together, and I think they've got some really good young pieces. I actually look for the upset here. I would take the Raiders plus one and a half. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. um, that, that's uh, we did see this drift down a little bit. The Raiders did open up as a minus one point favorite, uh, switched by two points. Not not really anything big there, but uh, certainly something to monitor. I guess at this point, we've seen Philip Rivers dominate the Raiders in his career. Obviously, they're rolling at this point. There's just something that feels phony about the Raiders. Uh, still with with this record and the Chargers have only had issues with teams who can get a pass rush on them and the mm-hmm. Raiders cannot I mean unfortunately you know when uh, Seal and Farrell out of Clemson was drafted at number four pretty much every expert quote-unquote expert called that a, a real stretch and he's looked that way so far so I guess I would say I'm leaning towards the Chargers strictly from the fact I think they're going to be able to operate their offense without any difficulty I think to your point, there's been a lot of nice pieces added, you know, in the back end of that defense, especially on the offensive side of the ball with Jacobs and Carr kind of being a nice, you know, one-two duo there. But I just, I think the veteran on the short week, Philip Rivers, I mean, it seems like the Chargers do this every year. They go in like a six, they they lose four straight games to the four worst teams and they beat the six best somehow. I I don't know. We watched it last year. They did the same exact thing and it infuriated both of us. Yeah, I mean, you just, it's one of these teams where I'm just not going to get out of the way of the Chargers when they look like they're on a run. Yeah. And right now they look like they're on a run. That's fair. Yeah, I'm still so taking I, the other side I, of that. But I, I, yeah, I, I understand why you would do It's a close. I mean, it's basically a pick more or less. Yeah, I mean, essentially you're looking at that. You could just watch the line. It'll probably bounce around one and a half down to one pick. You know, it yeah. doesn't take a lot to move through these little numbers at this point. But yeah, the Raiders could be. It, Whichever side's plus one could be a nice teacher leg. Get them through the six, 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 seven, 
seven and a half, you know, so something to look at there if you're looking for a leg to open up the weekend. Love that. Uh, well, we'll head to a couple other AFC teams. The Buffalo Bills hit the highway to face the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Browns are somehow a two-and-a-half-point favorite with one of the lower totals you'll see in the NFL, uh, 40 points. Uh, J-Mac, I'm going to start with you. You've been all over the coverage of Baker Mayfield and certainly uh, what's been going on. I guess, how do we even justify lane points with Cleveland at this rate? It's really hard to do. I will say this, man. Like, I've made fun of Baker a lot. I don't like Baker Mayfield at all, but I get I get Baker's shtick. He's a guy that has to play with a chip on his shoulder at all points in time. And you know what? I don't really have a problem with that. The problem for him ends up being that his team stinks. And, I mean, OBJ is a non-factor on that team, but acts like he's the absolute greatest receiver of all time. He's really made one catch that mattered at the end of the day, and it just happens to be an iconic catch. And I, I just, I don't believe in this Browns team. And I picked this Browns team to win the division, and I, I was looking back at our picks at the beginning of the season the other day, and I just have been trying to, uh, you know, like, I, so I look at them almost the same way I look at the Bears. It's one of those things where you you look back and it's easy to be like, what the hell was I thinking whenever we see what the results are? With the Bears, it made sense what I was thinking. This, I don't sure. really exactly know. And and you, you put out a lot of warnings about this, but I don't think that any of us intended on Freddie Kitchens being as bad as he's been. I mean, he is horrible. And I mean, there, I mean, when the Patriots were playing him, I mean, there were so many times where he was seen on the sidelines just mouthing like, what the fuck? Like, he just had no idea what was going on. He had no idea how to stop these things. To your point that you've made a couple episodes uh, in a row now, he went from being a position coach to a head coach. That's a weird thing. It's a weird move. I, I don't know how they make out of the year. Well, they're going to finish out the year with him, but I don't know how it goes much past that. I think this is a really easy spot for the Bills which does scare me a little bit, too. I think that the Bills' defense has gotten maybe a little bit more credit than it was, it was, you know, due at some points. I mean, Philly kind of made them look a little silly at points and uh, or a lot of <laughs> a lot of times there. The over-under of 40 is really interesting to me. I'd probably take the over, but I, this is probably a stay-away spot for me. I, I'm really interested to know what you think, though. Yeah, well, first, I, I my initial thought is is their weather. Um, because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're getting – Cleveland is one of those stadiums, if you've done your reading, that has – when there is wind and this swirl that goes on in the stadium, it, it creates a, an impossible situation for these guys to throw and punt in. I always love reading the punter quotes. They're like, I can't kick in that stadium with wind. I mean, so yeah. it's, it's funny. So that's something to look at. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the weather or wind report, but possibly going on there. Um, yeah, it's just a weird line where it's almost you got to stay away. I, I think to your point, um, the Browns won't have Freddie Kitchens as a head coach next year. Um, I think the parts of this team, there is a lot of good. And I think if you're able to bring in a couple of linemen, this team looks really different. Um, but, you know, Kyle and I talked about this last week. When you bring in a defensive line with all pass rushers like they did, you know, Vernon, Miles Garrett, handful of other guys as well. They're all trying to get their sacks, and you don't have anyone, you know, staying home, being, you know, gap disciplined, playing the run. So I think they've been kind of a product of their own demise where they brought in a lot of talented guys who do a lot of things well, but they're not playing as a team. And that does go back to Freddie Kitchens. I don't think he has any idea how to run a team and have that cohesion. 
And then you have Baker Mayfield at the helm, who's a second-year kid. He's not ready to run a locker room and be that leader. And sometimes that can work with a quarterback when you have a veteran on the roster. But Garrett Gilbert's not someone I would say is an NFL veteran leader for a locker room. So I just think there's a lot of problems on this team that can't get fixed until the offseason. And I'm not sure if that requires cleaning house, but there's a lot to like here. Baker's talent's still there. You have Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You'll get David Njuku back. You have Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Antonio Callaway's a nice piece. I mean, you have Greedy Williams, who's Denzel Ward, arguably one of the best young one-two combos, and Miles Garrett. There's so much talent here where it's going to be a buy low next year. I can't wait. I hope the Browns bring in a veteran coach, bring in someone to turn the ship around, and we're able to you know find like a seven-and-a-half over-under win because – uh, you know, the division's not as elite as maybe we think it is with uh, Ben Roethlisberger aging. But um, this, <laughs> sorry to get back to the actual game at hand, though, Buffalo, you know, you always talk about a run game travels on the road. I think you can say the same about the defense to a degree as well. So I think it's going to be a grounded out game. I think the Bills will come out on top. I think we've kind of seen this, and uh, you and Kyle have mentioned it uh, past couple episodes. The Bills are a team that are going to beat bad teams and lose to good teams that's just the way they're built and so i think i think the browns this year are a bad team i don't think they're disciplined enough to be be able to defend the bills and what they want to do on offense so i i think uh the bills are getting devin singletary the rookie at fau more and more involved he's looking a little bit more electric so i just think it's going to be a workmanlike game i could see a 2017 type of situation but yeah i it just it would feel like a real turnaround if we get an all-in effort from the Bill or the Browns. I'm with you, man, and I, I I agree with all of that. Unfortunately, it's an untenable spot for them right now, and I hate that. I, I don't know. I, I it's interesting with Baker too because it seems like he's got the he has to have the chip on his shoulder, but it seems like we're a little bit even past that. And of course, you know we've had the weird picture going around all week with the creeper stash and the trench coat, which was <laughs> an odd thing. And I, I man, like what. What is your thought on him? I mean, like obviously he's a talented guy. He's proven himself at all level. I mean, most levels at this point. He had a pretty good second half last year. I mean, what is he a quarterback that's going to be around this league for a long time? In your opinion, you're talking about Baker, right? Yeah, did I not say Baker? No, you did. I okay, just, just want to be sure. Um, okay. uh, you know, with Josh Allen, kind of same question. Yeah, good <laughs> um, question. Yeah, no, I think he is. I, I like Baker. He's got the quick release. His his play fits the mold and. I keep bringing up the name Lincoln Riley because I think it would be a natural fit for Cleveland to bring in his old coach. And um, Lincoln, you're just stepping into another great, you know, young athletic team. So um, I don't think there's any problem. We saw what Freddie Kitchens is a is a good offensive mind. He has no problem calling plays, but he's completely overwhelmed at the head coaching position. Um, we saw what Freddie could do as an OC last year. Uh, without Odell Beckham and without Antonio Callaway, without, you know, a Kareem Hunt coming in with Nick Chubb as a rookie with a worse offensive line. I mean, the, the sum of this team, it's a sophomore slump. It's it's such, it's just so many, it's a culmination of so many bad events that keep snowballing. So they need to get through the season. He needs to not do any damn Hulu commercials. Just Get in the gym, watch some film, man, and play football and stop worrying about Hulu commercials. I it, swear to God. It does seem like he's gotten ahead of himself a little bit. That's why I worry for him, and that's why I don't know that he's going to be a quarterback for a long time in this league. I really don't. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, you go from the Heisman, first pick, success. I mean, it was, it was a lot in a 
a one year period if you think about it. He kind of, he's just one of those people that wears me out, and I don't even pay attention to him that much, but he, somehow he wears me out. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, yeah, n- n- just not strong sentiments though. We just it, unless you have you know maybe go do some reading for beat writers in Cleveland. I don't know the mm. pulse on this team. It seems to be all over the place. I don't know uh, that the team has a pulse on the team. Yeah, exactly. Well, the two teams you should hopefully be in the playoffs and certainly outperform expectations. Carolina Panthers and Cal- Kyle Allen head on the road as Green Bay returns home as a five and a half point favorite over under a 47. Um, J Mac, we saw Kyle Allen kind of get eaten up by San Francisco with the first real defense he faced. Heads on the road again to face another top defense in Green Bay. Uh, five and a half seems a little short to me. I think uh, Green Bay is just going to kind of swallow up. What are your thoughts? That's kind of where my head's at, too. I, I've been saying for weeks, I think that Kyle Allen's going to get exposed some, and I think that's the case here. I think you're still going to see a pretty big day from Christian McCaffrey, as usual. They're going to rely on that, but they relied on him so incredibly much. And that's always my biggest concern is when you just rely on a guy, give him so many touches a game. I mean, at some point you run that guy into the ground and you run out of luck. You have to be able to do other things. And I don't, I'm not the biggest green Bay defensive guy. I don't, I'm not sure how much I buy into them. I feel like there are weeks where I do weeks where I don't. I, I think what you're talking about is the greatness of Aaron Rodgers here and knowing how to make the parts work. And I think that him and, and LaFleur have really established some, at least understanding and some mutual, you know, I'm not even sure if it's respect. It's always really hard to tell in that sense with Aaron Rodgers, but I think that they've at least established the way things are going to work. And, and you know, I, I feel like those, I had a lot of concerns at the beginning of the year that they were not going to find that. And it seems to me like they've started to kind of work that out. I mean, we talk about it all the time on this show. Winning cures a lot, and it really yeah. helps a lot. And I agree with you. I think they're going to cover this pretty easy. I'd even probably take the over over 47 points in this game. Yeah, and so kind of if you did a little bit of reading with what went on in Green Bay, they changed up their travel schedule, which is what pissed Rodgers off. Uh, which, and Kyle. I, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. They typically practice on Friday and fly out Saturday. Mm-hmm. Well, this week they flew out Friday, practice on Saturday, and a bunch of grown men making millions of dollars apparently couldn't adjust to that. It no. ticked Rodgers off. He called out Matt LaFleur. And to your point. When they're winning, uh, Rodgers and him had no spat. It took one blowout loss, and we're already seeing Rodgers go to the media, throwing him under the bus. It's not the fact that you know Rodgers couldn't move the ball at all for three and a half quarters and couldn't do anything to garbage time. And even then, it, he didn't even look like he cared. That was a weird game. It looked like they didn't get off the bus. They clearly didn't think they'd come home. I, I'm not big on this Panthers team. Uh, to to your point, they rely a lot on Christian McCaffrey. Do like the sum of the team, but just the offensive lines really struggled. But um, yeah, the Green Bay defense has been interesting. The first couple of weeks, certainly people were anointing them elite. Uh, you know, I myself, you know, they had a lot of great acquisitions um, in free agency, even with the bust of Sean Gary they took in the first round. But since week three, they haven't posted a defensive grade in the 70s everything's mm. been 60 or below with a couple 50s and 40s so we're suddenly see this defense coming maybe a little bit back down to earth or maybe teams have figured out this is a darius smith is the only pass rusher on green bay and just defend him the cowboys couldn't but so be it um so i, I think it's a team 
that's just coming back down to maybe what they really are. Um, we They did get Devontae Adams back last week. That obviously uh, didn't translate to much more offense, but I think the team returning home, Rodgers knows this is a big win. I mean, it's versus an, an, an NFC team that they could be, you know, fighting for a playoff spot with. Uh, so I just the five and a half is a big number, mm. possibly a teaser leg on the Panthers. But yeah, I, I'm taking Green Bay here. It just feels like a tough spot for Kyle Allen head on the road, especially up to Lambeau Field. Can we say one one quick prayer, uh, real quick for the uh, for the ending of Cam Newton's time with Carolina? Oh, Sad. Yeah. R.I.P. I yes. just I just wish someone, especially maybe Carolina, would have brought brought in Brock Osweiler. <sighs> Such a shame to see him out of the league for this long. But. He's getting paid so much money. Good for him. Yeah, well, so be it. Yeah. Uh, well, we got the Rams also heading on the highway this week as a three-and-a-half-point favorite versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh's on quite a nice run, got back to 500 after a stumbling start, over under a 44. Um, we saw the Steelers coming off, I guess you could say, a lucky win with an Adam Vinatieri missed field goal. Probably wouldn't have done that at any other point in his career. Nope. And the Rams are coming off a bye. So I guess, J-Mac, I'll start with you on this. Um, are you buying more into the Steelers, you know, kind of moving with the bandwagon? Hey, we got wins under our belt. We're feeling ourselves. Or we're trusting Mason Rudolph. Or are you more uh, excited to see the Rams coming off a bye, get well-rested and healthy with a nice two-week game plan? Take out the chains. Put it around this thing. Put the lock on it. It's a Rams lock. No problem here. I I do not trust the Steelers and what they've got going on. I think that McVay is going to out game plan the hell out of this because that's what Sean McVay does, and I love that. He, I, I I love my Tomlin too, but I just I trust McVay in this kind of situation. I don't think that Mason Rudolph is for real. I really don't. I don't think that division is really that good, and I think the demise of you know the, some of the teams around it has not helped it and I, or has helped it I guess I should say uh, I know that they've kind of strung some wins together but they haven't been very impressive wins like I said put the chain on it lock it up this is the Rams easy day I hate that we both agree on this one I, I couldn't agree more I looked at the line and I, I mean I guess it makes sense you flip it around you make the Rams around minus nine and a half points at home well that, that does sound about right I guess <laughs> but yes yeah I think the Rams coming off this, they're looking at their schedule going, hey, we still got a chance at the division. We control our own destiny. We got to get things going here. And at worst, get into the playoffs. They're on the outside looking in right now. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love this. Even with Brandon Cooks being out, I think obviously the nice part about this for uh, the Rams is having a couple weeks for Todd Gurley to rest up, maybe implement some more things for their other stable of running backs. But uh, it, it's an eye test for me as well. I, I haven't been impressed at all with what I've seen out of Pittsburgh, even with the wins. Uh, they've just—it's one of those teams I've watched and go, "How, how are they doing this?" Even the San Diego game when they're not San Diego, the LA Chargers and they beat them—they didn't throw the ball past the line of scrimmage on ninety percent of the throws. I mean, it just some of these wins have been. I, I'm not a Mike Tomlin guy anymore. I just. I think a lot of this has been smoke and mirrors, and I, I think the Rams are going to come out firing. And Ramsey's going to be more involved now. I mean, I, I just yeah. I don't think they're going to allow Juju and yeah, not not a lot to break down. It's Sean McVay off a bye. Too much time to prepare. I'll take it all day. Cool. I like that we're on the same side of that. Me too. Me too. That's all right. Nice. What's next? We got a Sunday night football. Minnesota Vikings coming off a loss to the Death Star in Dallas, Texas. 
Cowboys a minus three-point favorite at home over under a 47-and-a-half. Um, J-Mac, are you buying into the Cowboys as a three-point favorite at home? Basically saying these teams are even, which right. I would say I'd agree. I would agree with that, too. I think that the Cowboys are going to win this game, actually. I don't believe in Minnesota. I think that they have strung together a few nice wins, but this is what Kirk Cousins does, and Kirk Cousins is going to show up to lay an egg here. I almost guarantee it. I'm pulling for your Cowboys. I'm not betting on them because I will not bet on the Dallas Cowboys. It's just not worth it to me, but I think it's a good spot for Dallas. And I mean, Dallas looked really, they got off. I'm interested to know what you think about the Giants game because I didn't think that the first half was very impressive on da- from Dallas. But all of a sudden, you get a black cat on the field. Uh, New York just goes to hell in a hurry. I don't, I don't know what happens there. But I, I, I think that at the end of the day, Dallas kind of figured out what they needed to do and, and throttled them where they needed to. Came out with a really impressive win. I think what this comes down to, though, at the end of the day, is I just don't trust Kirk Cousins. This really doesn't have anything to do with Dallas as much as it does. I just don't like Kirk Cousins in this spot. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they lost last week to Matt Moore on the road. I think that was a spot where Minnesota maybe got caught looking ahead, thinking, you know, hey, they're not going to be able to do as much. Kansas City got Chris Jones back, really stifled Dalvin Cook in the run game. I think, obviously, the injury to Roch is Leighton Vanderash. He did sit out Monday night. Big coverage linebacker, he can help take you know remove uh, you know the sideline to sideline of Dalvin Cook. That screen game, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith over the middle for Minnesota. So um, I do like the spot for the Cowboys. I'm not worried about what we saw in the first half. They came off the bye. If you've ever watched Garrett, uh, coach of Minnesota or Dallas Cowboys team, he's not one that makes these guys get into the locker room and the team facilities early on the bye weeks. He likes for his guys to get away recharge the batteries for the back half of the year but in turn you see what happens on monday night where you come out of the gate slow because you've been off for two weeks it's the same way anyone who goes to work you go take a week plus vacation come back to work you know that monday it takes a you know a little bit to get into it so i think that's exactly what we saw out of the cowboys but they started to hum in the second half so um i'm intrigued on this game i think there's a lot of injuries to monitor as i mentioned leighton Vanderesh and adam thielen in this hamstring for the vikings uh certainly their top wide out stefan diggs was shut down completely last week but um you know we mention it every week with minnesota they're gonna have success first teams they can run the ball against uh dallas has kind of been a mixed bag at this point on that success um but Michael Bennett coming into the fold seemed to really kind of solidify this defensive line, which was odd last week. So um, I'm going to be interested to monitor what we see out of Dallas. They did grade a 72 um, or a 68, I apologize, last week and 77 the week before and run defense. So I'm not sure if they're kind of figuring a couple of things out, um, but I don't want to go one way or the other. I don't want to take the Cowboys. I just think it's going to be a good game overall. I think it's going to be 27-24. I don't know who's going to win it, uh, but I think there is some value with putting Minnesota in some teaser legs. You know, Kirk Cousins did play for Washington. He's got a lot of familiarity versus this Cowboys team in playing in Jerry World. This isn't going to be a situation that he's, you know, that's unusual to him. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, you look at the history of these two teams, it always does seem to be pretty high scoring for whatever reason. So, I am kind of interested with the over under 47 and a half because that's a very key number is 47 and 48. I'd be interested in taking a look at that over because I think both offenses will have that ability to move the ball up and down the field. It's very fair. Yeah, I'll be, this will be a really good game. I think this is the perfect Sunday night game for sure. And I think it's kind of a big spot for both these teams. Yeah, I'd agree with the Sunday night 
take because we've had some clunkers uh, for prime time, and this week is the opposite. So yeah. what we finally been well that moves us right into our next game, the premier game of the week. I'd say uh, Seattle Seahawks head on the road to face San Francisco 49ers division rivals. San Francisco obviously a six point favorite over under 46 and a half. Um, Kyle, we saw San Francisco lose Kawan Alexander, their great coverage linebacker. Um, they did have George Kittle banged up, but reports are saying Joe Staley is coming back, their Pro Bowl left tackle. I'd say that's a huge get when you're going from a mid-round rookie to a Pro Bowl left tackle. Um, helpful. <laughs> yeah, very helpful, even versus a team with, without a pass rush like Seattle. I guess, where are your thoughts right now in this game? So we disagree on where we think Seattle are. I know that you think that they're kind of a fraudulent you know the fraudulent. I'll detail that. Sure. Yeah. I'll detail that. <laughs> I think, and, and I think that's that. I don't know that that's unfair. I mean, they may be a fraudulent seven and two. I, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on them. I know you're not a, a Pete Carroll guy at all. I, I, I just, I, I think that Russell Wilson finds a way to win games. I think that's huge. But I don't think that that stops this San Francisco team. This 49ers team is damn good, and I love their defense. I'm, I'm a big defensive guy. That's I'm looking for smash mouth football always, and that's what this team does. I love the spot they're in. I think this is going to be a little bit of a humbling game for the Seahawks. I think that the Seahawks are going into this feeling like they've got things go- clicking and, and things are moving pretty nicely. They're going to get JG going, which I, I do like and I feel confident with. That's just another weapon for Russell Wilson, but at the end of the day, I just think this 49ers team is better. I really do. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'd agree, and I want to detail what Seattle's done. They beat the Bengals by one point, which they had to come back on. They beat a backup quarterback in uh, Pittsburgh by two points, which required a couple turnovers. Sure did. They lost to the Saints to a backup quarterback. They did beat the Cardinals with a rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. They beat the Rams on a missed field goal. One point win, so, that you know. They beat the Browns by four points, which right now you're looking at, eh, which they had to come back. They were down double digits, Mm -hmm. and it took a Browns turnover to kind of ignite that. Got slaughtered by the Ravens at home, beat Matt Schaub by seven points, and then it took a coin flip for them to beat Tampa Bay and Jameis Winston last weekend. Mm -hmm. Your most, I mean, I guess your most convincing win at this point has been the Arizona Cardinals by 17. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I just I, I look at what they've done. And you remove Russell from this team, and it's probably a 1-15 in 15 team. Definitely. Not, the offensive line sucks. There's no pass rush. The defense is all pieced together with waiver wire guys, former USC guys. Uh, the defense isn't great. It's but working, though. behind Russell, and you know Chris Carson's had a great year. They've learned how to use DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett's had an elite season. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, they lost their starting tight end, or their two starting tight ends. Uh, but they did bring in Josh Gordon, who's supposed to play this week. So yep. I guess that's interesting to me. But I, to your point, if there's a defense that can really shut down the Seahawks, it's going to be the 49ers. Elite pass rush. Bosa's got the speed to stay with Wilson. It just seems like a game kind of like what we saw Rodgers last week versus the Chargers where he's just frustrated the whole game. You know, the, yep. uh, San Francisco's going to play man on the outside, really frustrate him, and then San Francisco should not have any problem moving the ball 10 to 15 play drives all day with that run and pound, Tevin Coleman, misdirection, you know, just firing left and right. So I, minus six is tough, division game, big, big number. I just – you couldn't pay me to be on 
Seattle. I just I think they're very. I think they have a chance to not even make the playoffs if you look at the rest of their schedule. They play the 49ers, then they play the Eagles on the road, Vikings at home, Rams on the road, Panthers on the road, and then they have the Cardinals. Obviously, a win there in San Francisco. Uh, mm-hmm. They're facing all teams that are contending or in the playoff hunt right now, except the Cardinals. And I, I don't even know if that Cardinals is a guaranteed win for them necessarily. Right. I mean, that's not a gimme game at this point. Right. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes. That'll be a good Monday night game. We'll recap them next week. Let's do uh, best bets of the week. All right. Uh, J-Mac, do you want to kick us off with what you got for college football? So I'll read Kyle Beats out first, and then okay. I'll give mine. Uh, Kyle Beats has Cincinnati at home against UConn minus 35. He said UConn sucks so bad. Same strategy as picking against Rice last week. Take take that uh, those 35 and run with them. Oh, wow. All right. I guess that's a great insight. Yep. That's where I'm, I, I'm not sure if I'm on that game or not, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let his pick speak for itself. My pick of the week is actually, I, I keep going back and forth in this, and I really, I really, really feel like when I look at the slate this week, I just, I guess I've had a hard time really picking one. And, I really believe in Penn State this week, and I, I'm taking Penn State for sure. All right, I mean, I that's tough, but I'll, it is I'll, tough. Yeah, we'll we'll ride it. We'll we'll keep riding Penn State. I'm going to stay in the same conference and head to the Wisconsin Badgers, a team that I've hated pretty much all year. You have nine and a half nine and a half point favorite at home over Iowa. Over unders at thirty eight and a half. So um, real barn burner there. I just think Wisconsin's going to lean on Taylor all game here. And more, it's just a play against Iowa. Uh, They couldn't do anything versus Penn State. I think this Wisconsin defense is similar there. I'm just not sure where the points comes from for Iowa. I guess maybe that's my point. And it could be a 13-3 to game. That wouldn't shock me, but I I don't think. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think Iowa does anything. I think Wisconsin gets out ahead. Even possibly look first half, but the nine and a half, uh, there's a reason it's stretched out this far. Wisconsin's going to get out early and just lean on Jonathan Taylor. I like that. All right. Where are we heading for college or not college, NFL for you and Kyle Beats? All right. So Kyle Beats has his pick of the week is going to be the over 51 for the Cardinals at the Bucks. Terrible pass defense. Jameis can score for both teams. <laughs> <laughs> that, that he's not wrong he's definitely not wrong i hadn't read that till just now so i'm glad that i read that fresh lots of garbage time potential load up on evans and goodwin for dfs all right you heard it there first it's a pretty good pick i don't disagree with it my pick of the week is going to be i'm gonna take dallas wow I'm you said you dallas. weren't betting on it well that's going to be my pick. I don't know that I'm going to bet on it, but that's going to be my pick for a lock. All right. Well, I'm going to head to a game we talked about. We both love with the Rams. Yeah, uh, between th- both those th- games. <laughs> yeah, th- three and a half there. If you were going to take them, I was just going to take the first half and be with it. But what we talked about, I think McVay gets out. I, I, 34-10 Rams. All right, you know what? I'm changing mine. I'm going with the Rams. I, I was so torn on it. You've already convinced me, and it took almost nothing. So I'm going with that, too. Okay, I'll take the first half. Minus Perfect. two and a half. Perfect. Love that. All right, and Kyle... Dog of the week. Dog of the week. So my dog of the week is going to be LSU. I'm taking that. 
we're going. We're going all the way, baby. We're, we're trying to beat Alabama. We're going to make it happen. That's going to be my dog of the week. Kyle okay. Beats' dog of the week is the Seahawks at 49ers at plus six. He loves the Seahawks here. Uh, let's see. What were his comments? He said, just too many points to give Russ the way he plays. he's playing right now. 49ers are bound to slip up at some point, and it's a divisional game. Expect this to be close. All right. Well, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to respectfully disagree, but... Yep, we'll, we'll let them be. I'm going to head to the Fort Worth, Texas, take the TCU Horn Frogs to upset the Baylor Bears. Uh, short, short dog, maybe sprinkle the money line there instead of the couple points, but uh, Baylor's been playing with house money a lot lately. I, I love what Gary Patterson's doing. The true freshman quarterback's coming along very nicely. It's a game that Gary wins. I, I think Baylor finally slips up. I don't hate that pick. I was actually kind of eyeballing that too for a for a different college uh, dog. So I like that. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That's at Sensibly Loud Media on Facebook and at Sensibly Loud on Instagram and on Twitter. Make sure to give us a call. We want to hear from you guys. That number to remind everyone is 972-885-9361. We love hearing from you guys. We love hearing what you guys want to talk want us to talk about. So please make sure to leave us your thoughts and we will see you next week for another episode of Perpetually Correct. 